From the Ohio School Boards Association, I'm Scott Gerfin. This is Leading the Way, brought to you by Sedgwick Managed Care Ohio. Arming school staff members. A new law signed by Governor Mike DeWine allows schools to arm staff after 24 hours of training instead of the more than 700 hours of training that's currently required. OSBA Chief Legal Counsel Sarah Clark and OSBA Deputy Director of Legislative Services Will Schwartz are here to discuss the new law, its implications and reactions. Sarah, let me start with you to give our listeners some background. What was the prior law and how did it come about? Yeah, so we actually had um, two different pieces of legislation or two different statutes that were at play here that um, really got at the heart of how much training was required for an individual. And so we had this one statute, which is 109, 0.78. That had some language in it that talked about the fact that um, public schools and other educational institutions couldn't employ um, a person as a a police officer, a security guard, or another position and where that uh, individual goes armed while on duty unless they completed um, that training that you talked about that required the 700 hours. So the training um, that uh, OPADA, the Ohio Peace Officer Training Academy, puts on um, or they could have completed 20 years of active duty as a a peace officer. Um, And so we have that statute that is commonly referred to as the training or experience statute. And then you had a second statute um, that authorized or allowed uh, school districts to authorize uh, an individual to convey um, a deadly weapon in a school safety zone. And that section didn't talk about the training requirements uh, that were necessary or or needed in order to um, allow that person um, to convey that deadly weapon. It just talked about the fact that the board had the ability uh, to authorize that person in writing to do so. What happened in 2016? There was a school shooting here in Ohio, and that led to a case that went to the Supreme Court, correct? Yeah, you're you're exactly correct. So uh, we had a very unfortunate situation in 2016 where we had a school shooting at a um, junior senior high school. Um, and the district where that took place, Madison Local, uh, passed a resolution um, under that second statute that I just talked about that allowed um, it to authorize um, uh, several district employees to carry concealed firearms in the district school safety zones. Um, and, and in response to that resolution, there were a couple of parents who ended up filing a lawsuit. Um, the, the district in that case um, did not go with the higher 700 hours of instruction requirement. Uh, they just required the employees to have 24 hours of active active shooter shooter training. And the parents in that case said, uh, filed a lawsuit and said, no, we think that the the higher standard, because these individuals are going armed while on duty, which is language from that first statute that I mentioned, they argued that the higher training requirement uh, should apply. Um, and and uh, filed a lawsuit basically saying that the 24 hours was not sufficient enough. Um, and so that went all the way through the Ohio Supreme Court. We got a decision on that case uh, last year, um, and the Ohio Supreme Court uh, basically sided with the parents and said that the um, training or experience requirement that was set out in that first statute, 109.78, um, applies to anybody employed by Ohio schools um, if that individual is to go armed while on duty. So they uh, required the higher threshold of training. Well, uh, House Bill 99 is a legislation that Governor DeWine signed into law. Uh, Was was this the response to that court ruling? Uh, In many ways, yes. Uh, And even before the state Supreme Court uh, issued its ruling, 
Uh, prior versions of House Bill 99 had sought to overrule lower courts' decisions uh, on this topic. Uh, and as Sarah had mentioned, you know, 2016 is a key year uh, in this discussion. And that's, uh, that's important because uh, bill sponsor Representative Thomas Hall, a Republican from Madison Township in Southwest Ohio, uh, a freshman Republican, um, his father was the school resource officer uh, in Madison High School on the day uh, of the active shooter situation. Uh, his father uh, intervened in a matter of seconds um, after the, uh, the shooting took place and chased the shooter outside, leading to his arrest. Um, you know, uh, so th this issue is obviously a professional, um, you know, uh, issue for Representative Hall, but also a personal one as well. Um, and, uh, you know, that was that was the goal was to overrule um, both the lower court rulings and the state Supreme Court ruling um, that required uh, a 700 plus hour uh, training requirement for arming staff uh, to um, go into school zones with weapons. So, Will, aside from the training hours, it also creates the so-called Ohio Mobile Training Teams and uh, Ohio School Safety and Crisis Center. Can you tell me more about those things and just the evolution of the legislation? The legislation creates two new entities uh, within the Ohio Department of Public Safety. Uh, generally, it's it's a new state level infrastructure of school safety efforts um, through these two groups. Um, the Ohio Sa School Safety and Crisis Center uh, is going to be operated by what's called uh, Ohio Mobile Training Teams, um, and uh, they are going to generally provide school safety services to both public schools and private schools, uh, including uh, firearms training. Um, those those training teams are going to be run by a state appointed. Uh, what's called a chief mobile training officer, uh, and they're going to be responsible for uh, developing curriculum uh, and providing instruction and training to individuals who are authorized by their boards of education to carry firearms. Um, some of those training and curriculum opportunities are going to be things like uh, mitigation techniques, communication strategies, de-escalation de techniques, uh, emergency first aid, uh, response tactics for school-related incidents and things like that. Uh, now, because Ohio is a you know large state with um, you know small school districts, large school districts, um, you know suburban, rural, and rural, uh, there is going to be created 16 regional mobile training officers um, throughout the state, with specific counties assigned to each officer. Um, each of those officers will be appointed by the state director of uh, Department of Public Safety, who is going to serve as an advisory. Um, in an advisory capacity to school districts and private schools, um, providing certain services to schools upon their request, like the development of emergency management plans, uh, tactical emergency medical services training, uh, as well as serving as an intermediary for all levels of law enforcement in the event uh, of a school emergency, such as a school shooting. So, Sarah, uh, you're going to get the question that everybody probably wants to know the answer to, and that is, what does a district have to do if it wants to arm staff members? And uh, this is optional, right? It is. This is not something the district has to do, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So this is this is an option under the um, the statute. House Bill 99 doesn't put any mandates or anything in place as far as whether you have to go through this route. It's a local decision that local uh, boards are going to have to make on their own if they decide they want to do this. Um, 
the statute still authorizes the board or allows the board to authorize individuals um, to convey deadly weapons in school safety zones, but it adds some new requirements that are worth mentioning. Um, and, and so what it basically does is it push some that training and experience that answers the question as to what is required for that. Um, there is a new curriculum instruction and training program that's developed by that mobile training team that Will was just talking about. Um, and there are some pretty specific parameters about what needs to be included in, as part of that training that they develop. Um, they are required uh, by the statute to follow the private investigator and security guard firearms training guidelines. Uh, that is adopted under a separate section of the revised code and they make reference to that as part of the um, requirements. And there are some timelines and you mentioned uh, one at the beginning, Scott, that uh, the initial instruction and training um, should not exceed 24 hours. And then there is an annual requalification training, which under the statute um, shall not exceed eight hours. The uh, training that they are developing this curriculum um, has a, a list of, the statute has a list of about 14 things that needs to be included as part of that training. So it's things like uh, mitigation techniques, um, neutralizing potential threats and active shooters, uh, you know, crisis intervention, first aid care. Um, I think there's a training uh, component where they're doing some si simulated training exercises um, and scenario-based training. Um, and so that is very clearly spelled out in the statute of what they what that training needs to include. Um, now districts can require additional training. Um, the, the, the limit that we talked about, the 24 hours, is limited to the training developed by the mobile training team. Um, but districts can go above and beyond that if they want and um, require some additional training. They can also adopt alternative training requirements uh, so long as it includes all those topics that we just talked about above that list of 14 things. Um, in order to have that alternative training, they also need to receive uh, prior approval from the school safety and crisis center that Will was just talking about. Um, the other thing that they need to do, districts in addition to this training, um, is they need to uh, notify the school safety and crisis center with a list of the, the individuals that they have authorized uh, to complete uh, and who have completed that training requirements. Um, they need to also uh, require the individuals who they have authorized to undergo an annual criminal records check. And the board also, there's a notification piece uh, where after the board uh, authorizes one or more persons to go armed within the school, they need to provide notification to the public that they've done that. Um, and the statute doesn't specify or prescribe a method for doing that. They just say, by whatever means, the affected school regularly communicates with the public. So there's not a requirement that they name names or positions or even the school building. Um, just the fact that the board has authorized someone to go armed um, within the school operated by the Board of Education. One more thing to add to this is that in addition to completing that new re requirement, um, the other individuals who could potentially still qualify to convey deadly weapons in a school zone are those who were authorized previously, which would be the, those who complete the basic peace officer training program or who serve as law enforcement officers. So they still have preserved that training or experience um, language that was in the in the first statute that we talked about at the very beginning. So it's it's there are three ways to sort of qualify as an individual who could be authorized. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about or ask you about is public records. Uh, can a parent as come in and ask the district to, and get the information of like, hey, who's who's armed in the school? So that's a good question. So I guess there's a couple of different ways to answer that. The first is that districts already have the ability to discuss some of these details 
in closed session. So the executive session statute um, that uh, authorizes boards to meet in executive session on certain topics. Um, one of the, the one of the reasons to go into executive session is to discuss those details that are relative to the security arrangements and emergency response protocols for a, a public office or a public body. And, and that would include these types of conversations that we're talking about here. Um, as far as the records aspect of it, uh, the statute and, and the new language in, in House Bill 99 uh, specifically exempts from the definition of public records um, those records that pertain to the individuals who completed the training. So those are specifically uh, exempted and are not public records. Um, that notification, the public notification that I, I just talked about, um, the fact that you know the board has taken action and has authorized someone to go armed within a school building, um, that notification would be considered to be a public record um, and would need to be disclosed. Like I said earlier, it doesn't require, that notification does not require the board to notify the public of the individuals, um, their positions, or the school buildings. Well, a lot of reaction to the governor's signature of this law. Tell me a little bit about that. Gun legislation in Ohio is always a controversial issue. Um, and you know we saw uh, some strange bedfellows um, on the opposition side. Um, we saw the two largest uh, teachers groups in Ohio, the Ohio Education Association, uh, the Ohio Federation of Teachers, um, standing shoulder to shoulder in opposition to the legislation um, with you know, the refrain that, you know, you don't trust us with the textbooks we use, but uh, you trust us to carry firearms. Um, and they were also supported by the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, which is... Uh, a representative group of over 24,000 law enforcement professionals in Ohio. Uh, and, and their position was that if a school employee, regardless of his or her position, is carrying a firearm, then they're considered on duty under the law and are thus required to have that 700 plus hour Ohio peace officer uh, training requirement um, number of hours, that their primary responsibility is no longer teaching, but actually an armed uh, first responder. Now, despite the opposition from uh, you know, those two groups, uh, state house Republicans, um, including Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted, uh, bolstered by the Buckeye Firearms Association, uh, felt that this was uh, the right pathway uh, forward for Ohio. Uh, Governor DeWine had said that the 700 plus hour requirements were just too much um, and, and not realistic. Uh, and, you know, in, in the press conference signing the legislation, Lieutenant Governor Husted uh, discussed a conversation that he had, had with a local school administrator uh, and boiled it down uh, to this aspect that, you know, the state of Ohio is not going to deny local schools uh, with another tool to defend themselves uh, and their students um, and reminded folks that this is optional uh, for school districts to utilize uh, or not utilize. Uh, one other thing I want to mention is that this is a case study in you know, how policies get made in Ohio and how events of the world um, quicken the policymaking process. You know, we saw legislators uh, in the House specifically react to um, a judicial interpretation of the law by the state Supreme Court um, and amend their bill as a result of that ruling uh, and advance it along the process. Uh, we then saw lawmakers, specifically the Senate, expedite passage of the bill and strengthen it with the Ohio School Safety and Crisis Center elements just days after the Uvalde school shooting. Normally, these types of bills, um, you know, which are you know, very controversial, command months and months of hearings uh, and many, many hearings themselves. The Senate held only two hearings on this bill 
with the only hearing available for the public to testify happening on the same day the bill was passed by committee and the day before the House and the Senate approved the bill, sending it uh, to Governor DeWine. So, um, you know, very, very uh, interesting folks on both sides of the issue uh, and their reasons um, for doing so. And uh, just a, a quick movement of this legislation as a result of, of recent events in the news. One final question. When does this legislation take effect now that the governor has signed it? Scott, the bill was signed into law by Governor DeWine on June 13th. And Ohio law requires uh, this legislation to take effect 91 days after the governor has signed and filed the bill with the Secretary of State. So we're still waiting on the specific date, but we do expect it to be effective in the mid uh, middle of the month, it's in September. Um, so stay tuned from information from our association on the effective date of that legislation, as well as other resources uh, to help your school districts uh, prepare for the new law. Well, Sarah, thanks as always for coming on the Leading the Way podcast. Hopefully this information answers some of the questions our members have about House Bill 99. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. And also thank you to Sedgwick Managed Care Ohio for sponsoring the podcast. The Aptitude Award, a component of OSBA's STAR Awards program, allows board members to demonstrate understanding and comprehension of a variety of board governance skills based on six leadership areas, vision, accountability, policy, community engagement, relationships, and advocacy. To receive the Aptitude Award, board members must receive an 80% passing score on an online assessment. Board members may complete the assessment at their convenience through July 8th. For more information, visit www.ohioschoolboards.org.